That's pros and cons, as in K-A-H-A-N. Uh, that would be, like, good and bad. But, of course, we're, it's like a little pun that we did there. I thought that was kind of clever. But I think we came up with this name like, about a year ago, maybe a little bit more than that. We were still in Maryland at the time. Um, and this is our very first ever episode uh, where we will be covering uh, infertility, our infertility journey, my wife and I. I'm here with Chrissy Khan. I'm sorry I forgot to mention. And I'm Aaron Khan for... The Pros and Cons podcast, talking about infertility, our infertility journey, and everything in between. And remember, dear, it looks like pros and K-Hans, but Correct. it is actually pros and cons. Our last name is just spelled quite interestingly. So It has not caused a single problem in my life ever, <laughs> ever, ever. It is often hard for people to understand, but we are here with pros and cons, and we're going to share our journey. Um, if you have followed along with us on social media or any of our TV interviews, you know that we have written two books about our journey. Navigating the Road of Infertility and Baby Bankrupt. Really wish we haven't had to write these, um, but it has been eight years and we are one of the one in eight couples. Yes, you heard that right. There are one in eight couples that struggle with infertility. Our journey has included surgeries. I had a coconut size uterine fibroid tumor. Aaron had varicocele, which if you've never heard of it, no, it's not a fancy Italian pasta dish. It is varicose veins in the testicles. Quick little tidbit. Uh, Chrissy's initial pronunciation of varicocele is varicocelli. <laughs> I prefer that, actually. It but makes it sound a lot nicer. <laughs> it sure does. Um, and so the only side effect of varicocele is infertility. Aaron also had surgery to have those removed. And who knew? They can grow back. So they disrupted our one of our IVF cycles later on. Um, that was our first step, our surgeries we stupidly thought we would be able to conceive after that our doctor then tried to have us go through IVF but instead with both of us having been in education and not caring about a child being our blood we tried to foster to adopt in Maryland um, we got two beautiful girls ages five and seven um, with their own disabilities and unfortunately due to the system we ended up losing them we're gonna talk a little bit more about that later um, but just to continue to give you a little background of our story we had six rounds of IVF, two miscarriages, and we also attempted to adopt in every way you can imagine, internationally, domestically, and embryo adoption, which we will talk about on a later show. But today, we are going to be focusing on um, so many unwanted kids adopting through foster care. And people, when you're going through infertility, they all want to be helpful they all try to give this advice that they think is really just gonna help you in the moment and usually it's pretty dumb and that is how I structured our last book baby bankrupt because we did go bankrupt actually in trying to conceive we spent $35,000 and one of the chapters is titled there are just so 
many unwanted kids. And you'll often see this on Facebook or hear this, oh, there are just so many unwanted kids in foster care. Why don't you just foster to adopt? Like, it's so easy. Like, you can just click on that little Facebook link and have someone send a child to and you. And it's just, you know, like uh, Uber Eats to your door. Uh, <laughs> like Uber Uber kids. Doesn't, doesn't work like that. Exactly. And I think my favorite would be how many of my friends would send me a link like, oh my goodness, there are these five kids in Oklahoma who are now in foster care and they need a home. And I would get that from like <laughs> six friends. And I so appreciate the sentiment. But what we want to talk to you guys about today is the actual process because unfortunately it just doesn't work like that overnight. Uh, yeah, um, it's it's <laughs> overnight. A lot of people do think that because of the the unwanted kids and just like the volume there, that it, it's just it would be so easy. And maybe in, in a day it was, but uh, currently that's that's not the case. Uh, so we've got a little bit of data here just to, to ground our our situation in reality. Uh, so it's kind of maybe easier to understand for other people. So in 2017, uh, this is via children's which is a very reputable site. Um, it, they, they are as accurate as, as can be, uh, given the you know volume of cases that they're working with. And on any given day in the U.S., there are 443,000 kids in foster care. Uh, and more than 690,000 kids have spent time in foster care. So even if they're not currently, they have at one point in time. And a lot of kids go through this. <clears throat> and kids can be put in foster care for any number of reasons, neglect, abuse. Um, and what's important to understand is the system. So not every kid in foster care is available for adoption. What in you fact, need in fact to most of the time, that's not the case. Correct. Um, and so you really need to understand what fostering to adopt means. Um, and you have to know the difference between kids in in the system available for adoption and actual foster care. So the goal of foster care is always, and I do mean always, reunification. And that means no matter how much abuse a parent has done, whether they're in jail for murder, that biological parent still has a right to their child. Usually a kid has to be in the foster care system for at least three years. Um, sometimes 18 months before parental rights are terminated. And so that means if a bio parent's parental rights are not terminated, you and having a child in the foster care system have to deal with that bio family. And that means visits with them, meeting them, and whatever detrimental effect that can have. So that's really important to understand that goal is always reunification. And when it's it's something that even with the extensive amount of training that Chrissy and I went through, um, we didn't even necessarily know that that was happening with our case. Uh, and, and so you will just, you always want to pay attention. Always ask these questions when you are, well, you know, whatever your, whatever your end game is, if you're uh, not planning on being a revolving door for uh, foster kids, if you're, if you're really looking for a forever home for, for some of these kids, uh, you got to make sure that you know what you're getting into so that when the, uh, whatever agency you're going through says, Hey, we have, we've got a case for you, make sure you ask 
ask them like, okay, before you do anything, before we commit to anything, what is going on with them? Are all rights terminated or, you know, is that in the process of happening? Um, and cause sometimes they'll, they'll kind of try to pull a fast one on you and they will drop off a couple of kids just because they don't have another home for them, uh, without, you know, making sure that, um, that you are actually getting your, uh, wishes met with the whole reunification situation. Um, that's and exactly so, what happened to us. And so what Aaron is referring to is so, so part of the training, the first step is you attend that welcome orientation. And um, we have had training now in Maryland and now in Florida through Children's Home Society. Shout out to Children's Home Society. They are phenomenal they are, with their they, training. They are awesome. Um, but in our first class in both welcomes, we did raise our hand and say, we are in this for adoption. We are not in this for foster care. Um, we'll get more into our story later, but the two girls we had, we were actually told their grandparents had rights and they were being terminated. So we were under the impression that we were going to adopt them right off the bat. Um, we'll get into that in a little while, but just two other important things to know about foster care. You are literally just housing the child. You think because they're in your house, you might have some say over their medication, their life. You do not. You're housing them. The state has the guardianship. So you have to consult with a caseworker for every step of the way, every decision you make. And that sometimes can even include keeping them homesick if they have a fever. Um, the last thing you really need to know is when you embark on this, every part of your life is gonna be monitored. So when you're a foster parent, you have a revolving door to your home, to your life open for multiple caseworkers, the children, the agencies you're working with. And so if you value your privacy and you don't wanna have to deal with all these people, just know foster care is not gonna be the right thing for you. Correct, correct. It is uh, a very taxing, experience emotionally physically um uh spiritually for some so uh yeah so uh, if we're if we want to move on into the components components of, of uh the, the the training aspect of it it is um a three to six month commitment and for a lot of these things it, it, you are not allowed to miss a single session no. of of training. If you miss one session in that three to six month period, um, you're out. You've got to start over whenever they decide to start holding uh, a new session. Um, so you have to, uh, it's like I said, it's a three to six month commitment. You got to attend an orientation. Um, and typically what that means is you're going to meet up with one of the um, uh, social workers that works for the agency um, and they will basically give you an overview give you all like the rules that they will have as far as um, you, you know like I just said with with attending and uh, what it was what's, what it's gonna look like you're gonna get like a nice little PowerPoint where, like, where they will give you an overview uh, so you complete all the paperwork um, which is a lot of paperwork let me just tell you that there are lawyers who haven't filled out this much paperwork uh, in their careers. Um, so it was in, in our case, it's 29 hours of training. That's what we did for um, uh, uh, the Children's uh, Home Society. Home society. Mm -hmm. um, I believe, what did we do for the Ark of Baltimore? So 
really, that was a separate agency. That was a separate agency. So the first time we went through this, um, we reached out to social services and didn't hear back from them in a timely manner. And because I was an assistant principal, I had a family recommend the ARC, which you may know of the ARC. They help multiple adults with disabilities, um, help them get employed and have life skills. But they also do foster care and adoption for kids with disabilities. And so that's really what we wanted. Um, like Aaron was saying, you really should get an overview. <laughs> it might not be as detailed. What we've learned from going through this twice are the differences. Um, so you'll get an outline of training of that 29 hours. And that's, that's just a component. So the paperwork he's talking about that you have to complete, you have to have your house inspection. You have to get screened. You have to, you know, get fingerprinted. They look at every aspect of your life. So you have to break down all your finances. You have to show pictures of your house. These are just a couple of things. Um, some more in-depth things is you have to do like a parenting questionnaire. Again, if you've been following our journey on social media we actually posted our most recent bout of paperwork and two of the Facebook comments just really stood out to me as really funny um, one of my friends said that the paperwork we had to complete was more work than her grad class mm -hmm. yeah exactly <laughs> right and another one of my parents um, a former parent of my school community went on and she, you know, used some expletives and said, this is BS. Most, <laughs> most parents who have kids don't even have to think about these things. That's right. And frequently don't. Right. From, from what we understand. <laughs> Correct. So it really is quite a lot. Um, one of the biggest parts that can be so time consuming that can take it from the three months of training to another three months is the home study. And we really document all the components of the home study in our first book, Navigating the Road of Infertility. Um, but really what you need to know is you're going to have someone that's going to invasively interview you and question everything about every aspect of your life, how you grew up, your background, um, your marriage. They, if you uh, have ever been in therapy, they will know as much about you as your therapist does. Correct. If not more, maybe. <laughs> if not more. Um, and it's really intense. You have to get references not just from one person but usually three to five three family friend references and then from your employer so it really really takes a lot of time effort and willingness but if you do want to go this route I will tell you you know it can be amazing in theory because in you, theory in theory <laughs> and we're still waiting um we did although have some pretty amazing moments of being parents with our girls um and this led us so our experience um we had our girls again we thought we were going to be able to adopt them and about two weeks in we finally met with the social worker and this was after they're already calling us mommy and daddy we met with the social worker and the bio grandparents and the social worker informed us no the goal is reunification and they would be reunited with their mother who had been convicted of second-degree child abuse on our youngest and she was just getting out of prison 
So that was a surprise. Um, we will get more into our story, but because of everything we went through, we were quite against that fabulous movie, Instant Family, uh, with Mark oh, Wahlberg. Oh yeah, when we saw those commercials, we about just started tossing stuff at the TV screen and just, you know, cursing up a storm. Right, and cringe. So every time we would see that, we would cringe. Um, but recently, we did decide to watch it, and we do have to give it to them. Get the bullet, but oh my God, did they actually do a really good job. What an accurate impression of what you have to go through. Of course, you know, it, it's not as comedically or happy-ended wrap-up. Right. No, I, I am not Mark Wahlberg, and Chrissy is not Rose Byrne. Although I can only wish. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right, right here. Right back at you. But they did document it very accurately in the fact that most foster kids, and yes, you are about to hear this right, most foster kids are given trash bags to move their stuff around. Yep, trash bags to take their things from one house to another. And it's not something that people necessarily think about. Um, they just kind of think to themselves, well, they just have, you know, got their little suitcases, right? No, no. no. Most of the time, these kids have nothing but uh, like literally a pair of um, trash bags and the whatever they can fit inside of them. And then they kind of have to cross their fingers and hope it's like a hefty bag. Uh, mm -hmm. So that it can actually carry their stuff. Uh, otherwise, they got to leave it behind. Uh, and that means that at the age of like, you know, some of these kids are like seven, they have to prioritize what they want to be able to take from house to house. And um, it's it's really kind of gross when you think about it, because that, that really does make a kid think, yeah, this is just my trash I'm taking from house to house. And that's how they think of them their, their stuff. And then that kind of translates to how they think of themselves, Absolutely. generally speaking. So, um, uh, yeah. So really great organization out there that we found throughout our journey was comfort cases mm -hmm. you may have seen them um, the founder has been featured internationally as his own book um, they he and his partner have adopted through foster care in DC um, and they have made it a goal to provide kids in foster care with suitcases so they don't have to carry around trash bags so that was definitely accurate the depiction 100%. of the foster family who was housing them <laughs> was also quite comical um, and what you need to know is while we were not one of those people who was in it you do get a stipend it's really not anything um, for having a foster child in your house um, in our in my book baby bankrupt I actually break it down financially what people can make because different states have rules so like Florida I believe can have up to five foster kids in a household and think about it if you're getting a check for each five of those kids that could be $500 or more that could be like someone's career and so there are some people in foster care depicted as in the movie who were housing children that were just in it more for the money not for the well-being um, the other thing the movie really hit on was that most of the time in foster care Kids 12 and older are the ones that are more available. Why? Because nobody wants an older child. So currently there are about 23,000 kids who are older in foster care that are aging out every year. What does this mean? They age out, so when they turn 18, they're on their own. They don't have a family, they were never adopted, they have no support. 
So statistically, what happens to kids who age out of foster care or even kids who have been in foster care that have not had the right environment, they are more likely to be incarcerated, to have addiction, to get pregnant, um, to have some kind of disease earlier on. And a great study that looks into this is called ACEs. Um, we'll talk about that more later, but it's definitely something amazing that looks at adverse childhood experiences and how it affects kids. And so, honey, what do you think of the movie? Did any part stand out to you? I, I really liked um, just how... how uh accurate the depiction of I mean they they, they kind of had to like condense the training aspect of everything down so that it was like you know uh, a, 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 like a digestible um, montage essentially uh, for for the training essentially uh, I but I liked how they actually showed like the highlights for the training where they were being asked these questions and they're kind of just like in the, you know they're just running their hands through their hair and they're like gasping for breath just trying to figure out like you know what the next step is what they're supposed to be doing um, and then there was also like the aspect of um, the kids uh, and their own little idiosyncrasies coming into the household where like, you know, they, they had adopted three kids, um, an older sister, a uh, middle uh, brother with a whole lot of. Um, he was hilarious. Well, he was he was fantastic. <laughs> he was hilarious. But he he was just so neurotic. And then the, the younger, uh, the youngest daughter, um, it was this, this lovely trio of kids. And of course, um, you know, they come into the house and they're not immediately just like thankful that they're being adopted it's definitely like a um, you know a process a, a transition and um, you know there's that honeymoon period that they talk about but then when the kids start getting more comfortable with you um, they start to become a, a little less uh, uh, easygoing and then they start to kind of like show that they're true colors because they're kids I mean they're they're, they're going to be as contrarian as possible sometimes and other times they're going to be like I love you and it's just like you know that's that's the way that works and instead of showing it as as um, just like a happy-go-lucky situation the entire time, they showed the actual progression and sometimes devolution and then evolution of uh, the relationship between the kids and the parents. I thought that was fantastic. Okay. They did such a great job portraying that. I was really surprised with my, uh, Mark Wahlberg's performance and the older, the eldest daughter. Um, okay. Her her performance was phenomenal. Um, yeah, how about you? Yeah, I really thought um, she, the oldest daughter, portrayed the emotions that they feel because, and we've been in orientations before and you'll get a couple that comes in and they they think they're just gonna be able to find you know like a cute baby a nice healthy baby in foster care ready for adoption to make their life complete and that's not what's there no and so a big part of what you need to understand is trauma um, and trauma is so critical to understand you know I've seen it I've seen it in education more and more in the past five years, but post-traumatic stress disorder is something that is affecting so many kids, and it's not just for veterans. It can be any type of neglect, abuse, any type of situation, um, and dissociation is also something that's there. And so people think when you adopt through foster care, oh, you're gonna get this nice, healthy child, it's gonna be so easy, it'll be great, it'll be an instant family, 
like the movie. Yes, it could be an instant family. That can be a pro, but you really need to understand the needs of the child and what you're getting into. So to do that, you really need to understand stages of development. Um, for us, our five-year-old um, had been significantly abused. Um, she had post-traumatic stress disorder. We had to take her to trauma therapy twice a week. We had to participate in cognitive behavior therapy. So in her life um, with her bio mother, it was a game to lock her up places. Um, and so cabinets, you know, that's that sort of thing. And so her older sister, who we also had, you know, they really did not get along. It was, um, you know, not an easy situation. And so she was stuck in the development of a baby because she never had that healthy growth, you know, someone meeting her needs giving her a bottle giving her a diaper that's where she was so sometimes like you'll see these kids like the older girl in instant family you know she's like 15 16 but really developmentally she is 11 or 12 and they also hit on the fact that kids in foster care especially kids who have siblings are very what's called parentified that means they are so used to being the parents that they have not had a childhood of their own so Aaron I thought they depicted the scenes with the foster mom and the older daughter really well and trying to parent and of course probably my favorite scene was see Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne they just think it's oh it's happy they're they're not gonna have any problems in fact they're in this support group bragging about how good the dynamic is when they first get the kids and then they make this nice meal for Christmas and Rose Byrne tries to get the youngest to eat other than potato chips. Right. That, that, I thought that was And does hilarious. not let the old girl handle, older daughter handle it. <laughs> and boy, is it a meltdown. And boy, honey, did it take me back to oh what we goodness. had to deal with. Yep. Uh, when it came, yeah, exactly. Uh, our, our youngest, um, the five-year-old, uh, she had a really hard time eating anything that wasn't chicken McNuggets. <laughs> And, it, I, and and like or McDonald's or just McDonald's, but primarily like chicken uh, chicken McNuggets. And we're not like necessarily the most health conscious people in the world. We're not like you know fast you know smoothie people all the time or anything like that. We try. Uh, we, we we try every now and again, um, but generally speaking, we kind of just we enjoy we enjoy eating our, eating our food. Love my pizza. So, so so there was a point in time when we were like trying to get her to eat a little bit healthier, and and we did managed to get some vegetables in there um but for the most part we kind of just had to make sure that she ate and you know like the idea of starving her just because she wouldn't eat her vegetables that's not, it's not an option mm -hmm. you know you can i mean you can kind of do that with your own kids where it's like no dinner for you because they're yours. Uh, you know, they're yours. Um, but for us uh, and for those who are in um, the adoption, adoptive like portion of, of fostering to adopt, that's not, it's not really an option. That's not a, that's not a punishment option. And uh, <laughs> and we'll actually we can we can get into the, the idea of um, punishment options uh, uh, maybe in a later episode, because they kind of give you a checklist of what Re you restorative are. Restorative discipline. Restorative discipline. Pun punishment. I, I apologize. Punishment's punishment's old school. It's not supposed to be punishment. It's supposed to be 
restorative discipline. It's supposed to be something like a, a like um, rehabilitation almost. <laughs> yes. Um, so, like I said, it's not. It, was, it wasn't really an option. So we kind of just allowed her to eat, eat the chicken McNuggets, and every now and again we could get vegetables in there. But there was there was never a point in time where we kid ourselves and we made up like these lavish meals, only <laughs> to have them not want to eat it and us be like, oh, you've got to eat it. Look at how much work I put into it. No. Yeah. I think the one meal we did get, and thank you, iCarly, is spaghetti tacos. Oh, yeah. That was quite a favorite. <laughs> but I will tell you, you know, you have these grandiose ideas of what you're going to be like as a parent. Um, and when you try to adopt through foster care, it literally is overnight. So yeah. once you have completed all the requirements, you could get a call like we did. We got a call on a Monday and said, they said, oh, there are these two girls. They have significant emotional needs. Their grandparents are terminating rights. We can have them to your house by Friday. And thank God I worked in a school with an amazing community. Shout out to my gunpowder family and peeps. <laughs> thank you so much. Love you guys. Miss you guys. Um, but all these teachers came and supported, gave me what they had. So we were able to do two rooms in three days at our house for a five and seven year old but you really think oh we'll have healthy meals together it'll be this family time like they did an in instant family and oh no gracious no <laughs> oh no are you in for it <laughs> um so i think sweetheart we should wrap up with our pros and cons absolutely so like we said definitely pro is if you like us so all we have wanted to be is parents um for eight years Honestly, before our first attempt at fostering to adopt, we really didn't want to try to have our own through IVF. Um, it was really the experience and losing the girls that made us realize just how important it was to have a biological child when it came to rights. And so that's when we explored IVF. But I will say, you know, those five months, we had many phenomenal moments with our girls. Absolutely. We miss them every day. And you really do get to know your partner in a whole different way. Yes, <laughs> I would say so. When you try to parent. So definite pro is that instant family. The other thing they don't share enough, and especially here in Florida, it's pretty amazing the financial support kids in foster care get, even when they are adopted. Um, so hopefully this time we're going to end up with a phenomenal 12 year old or older um, with needs as our child that we have been waiting for. Um, but even when a child is adopted, they get financial support, which means, you know, college tuition. They also get to keep their Medicaid, which means all doctors and therapy appointments will be paid for. And you don't want to get rid of that when you adopt them because you want to take advantage of that support. So pros, instant family, financial support, and the most important thing, you know, if you want to see a realistic depiction of foster care, hit up YouTube and watch the story removed. That's actually the most accurate depiction of what it's like for a child going through this process. But if you want some Kleenex on hand. Yeah, that. please do. There's one and two. Please do watch two because the ending is phenomenal. Me as a teacher, I totally appreciated that. Um, but the most important pro is you could be that loving, stable home for a child or children who may not even know what that's like because they haven't experienced it in life. And as a result of that, you could help change the course of someone's life. You know, 
I can't help but think of Simone Biles, the greatest gymnast in history. Um, and you know, if her grandparents hadn't stepped up and taken her in, you know, she could have gone down a whole different path. I believe it's her brother who had a different outcome. Um, but that's just a story to come to my mind. And then, honey, what would you say the cons are? So. I would definitely say the cons uh, are the process uh, that you have to go through, training included. I mean, it can be very enlightening, and there are certainly parts that are interesting, but dear Lord, is it grueling, and it takes a serious toll on your uh, mental endurance. Um, it can also... Uh, you know, traumatize you in some way. Uh, I mean, and, you know, not not in the same way that you know, um, the a kid is traumatized through neglect and abuse, but definitely like you you know, with uh, especially with the home studies and and with um, the intensive interviews you got to do, you got to relive some stuff. Uh, and maybe it's not necessarily something you want to relive, but you don't really have a choice if you want to be as forthright as possible. So that's not the best. It's not it's not great. It's I, I can definitely see why it could be considered necessary just to show that you're, you know. A relatively stable human being who's ready to take on a couple of kids but um boy howdy does it does it play merry havoc on uh, on your mental state you kind of need to you know maybe lie down for a little bit afterwards <laughs> um uh, and um you know the whole process can really traumatize a child too uh the they you know just because um uh, in, in Florida and in, in Maryland, there's these um, really extensive training processes uh, for becoming a foster parent. Not every state is like ours. There are other states where kids go through the foster care process or rather where the um, the people who were uh, training to become foster parents, that it's not nearly as selective of a system. And they kind of just take what they can get. And uh, the kids are kind of left with these people who are definitely not as caring uh, or forthright as, you know, uh, Chrissy and myself for um, so that really can traumatize a child uh, deeply just even one single bad experience that can that can really uh, impact a child's trust in the system um, yeah, so those are those are the big three uh, right there. So thank you, Aaron Khan, with the cons of, of adopting through it makes perfect care. sense. Yes. Um, and so, you know, that's just a little bit about what we have to share. Again, if you want to see our story more in depth, um, to know what we went through specifically in Maryland with the fostering to adopt process, you can find it. It is on Amazon, Navigating the Road of Infertility, and it has been featured on HLN, where we were featured for Infertility Week as the face of infertility. What a thing to be featured for. Not necessarily something I wanted, but <laughs> here we are. Um, and so I will say, you know, going through it a second time, I never thought we would be here again. But here we are in Florida, our fabulous, happy place, going through this process again. And we have just been really impressed. We've been really impressed with the training, the honesty, yep. um, the process. We'll see how it ends. Our social workers, I also want to shout out to, to those guys because they have been a lot more uh, supportive and nicer uh, and just yeah. in general and just better at their jobs. And and the one thing they said to us, which really stuck out to me, because in Maryland, it just didn't feel like they ever had the child's best interest at heart. Here, our social workers have said, oh no, we're not looking for a child for you. We're looking for the best family for our child. For the child. 
which we just we kind of like rocked back on our heels at that we were just like Whoa, really, really? <laughs> oh my god awesome. so stay tuned to see how our story ends but next time you learn about someone with infertility or you see one of those facebook posts like especially i see tony dungy one of my all-time favorite football coaches who sends these posts around about kids in palm beach that are waiting for adoption please know that it doesn't just happen overnight it is a process and if you have any more questions you're welcome to reach out to us anytime on social media yes absolutely thank you so much for listening to pros and cons i've been aaron con this has been christy con be good to one another